Hello and welcome to the second episode of Standing Before the Mass podcast. I'm your host, Chris Eaton, and today my guest is Captain Kent Dresser. Kent is the founder and owner of Confident Captain. Confident Captain trains folks to get their captain's licenses, as well as increase their knowledge in safety and rescue procedures. Kent uh, has a unique story. He started at a young age as a watchstander at age 14 for a local commercial salvage company. He was one of the youngest in Rhode Island to receive his Coast Guard license. He's a graduate of University of Rhode Island with a degree in coastal and marine policy. He has experience on New York tugs, offshore sailing, and has been involved with over 2,500 vessel rescue and salvage operations. So Ken has a really good perspective on both the commercial and the recreational side of boating here in Narragansett Bay and elsewhere. And originally we were going to get together for a pint after work, but our schedules just didn't allow that. So we had an early morning coffee and covered some bases. Today's podcast is sponsored by Newport Nautical Supply. So kick back, have a listen, and hope you enjoy. I'm here today with Captain Kent Dresser from Confident Captain, his company. And Kent's going to talk to us about his company and how he trains people to become professional captains and just more competent boaters. Kent, welcome. Good morning. Good right. to see you. Thanks for coming by. Yeah, no problem. Tell us about Confident Captain. What is it? Well, Confident Captain has sort of a number of different roles in the, in the boating business uh, here in New England. Mostly we train recreational and professional mariners in different licensing and certification. Um, the, the sort of larger component, the larger portion of our business is the professional mariner training. So that's sort of particularly among pros in the industry like yourself. That's what we're known for. But we also have recreational boater programs that help us to sort of support our boating habits in the summertime when all the pros are out working that have been actually really beneficial and sort of uh, had a positive impact on the level of safety and seamanship going out there. And, of course, it it sort of um, blends nicely within the – it gets goodwill from our professional mariner students because they're the ones that are out there, uh, you know, in close proximity to other recreational boaters when they're, when they're working. So you can – be a brand new boarder and come take some courses with us, or you could be getting one of your six-pack or 100-ton or 200-ton captain's license, uh, and we'd help you with that, too. What what gave you the idea to begin a business like this? Well, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the I, I grew up working for a small maritime business. At the time, it was called Marine Rescue Services, and it's now called Safe Sea, which is a popular Rhode Island boat telling company. And I started working for that company when I was 14, and I enjoyed the, um, I, I, even at that young age, I, age, I enjoyed being a small business player. Mm-hmm. And um, so as I, you know, set my career goals, it was to own and operate my own maritime-related business. Right. Um, it could have been any of them. <laughs> uh, it just so happened to be this one logistically. And although I love what I do and we've had a nice impact, um, it, it was because this is how it played out, not so much I didn't drive this. Right. But you you had an interest on, uh, being on the water from a very young age, right? Yeah, well, I grew up in Wickford, and, and, and growing up in Wickford, I, 
you're near the water. Mm-hmm. And I moved there when I was five, and and we we didn't have you know a, we, we lived kind of inside Wickford Cove. We had a small dock that that led out to the water and a, and a small dinghy, mm-hmm. and and you know my father was always pretty adamant that he would not buy a boat. So that's sort of a, the trifecta, right? You live on the water, you have a dock, and you don't have a boat, so you're going to very much want to go on any boat you right. possibly can. And now you're a boat owner. And I am now a double, yeah, oh. double boat owner, a sailboat and a, and a small pallet boat for training now. What were the, some of the biggest challenges to setting up an operation like this? You know, the biggest challenge really is um, I, I, people joke in the marine industry about, making a million dollars you know you want to make a yeah. million dollars in the marine industry you start okay. with two um and i didn't have two <laughs> so that was the challenge so you had to find like like you know what did i have at the time you know i was in my 20s when i started confident captain you know i had sort of blood sweat and tears and right. and you had to figure the money component out and and people think well oh you know you're going to start this small business just go down the bank and, and with a good business plan and get, that doesn't work that way no no <laughs> it really doesn't um you know and so the financial one has always been you know has always been a challenge um and then you know just I, one day i think you're, you're going to be running a business and you're going to come to the realization that nobody no matter how awesome of a person they are is going to be as motivated to keep that business successful as, as the owner. owner. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I gave a, a talk the other day at the Iris uh, Career Fair. Oh, yeah. And they asked me to give a, a five-minute talk mm-hmm. about jobs on the water because they tend to stay, you know, they're very focused on, right. on jobs around the water. And, you know, I, I said, well, the only piece of advice I can give you in five minutes is to learn how to clean some heads. Yes. Because you're going to clean a head when you first get started, and you better be good at it. Right. And then when you become the president and founder of a company with a 15-year history, you're still going to be cleaning the heads. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my dad used to joke, how do you tell the owner of the company? He's the guy out in the parking lot sweeping up the he, litter. He's the guy sweeping the yeah. parking lot. Yeah. That's exactly right. Because no one's just no one's going to care about it like I do. Right. So. What, what is the best or worst job you've had on the water prior to this? Assuming this is one of your better ones. This is one of my better ones. Um, and, and so, I mean, ex- excluding Confident Captain, my best yeah, job on the water? Yeah, outside of this. Uh, outside of this, Safe Sea was the best. Yep. I've had a 28-year relationship with them and, and have driven boats for them in some fashion since I was 18. Right. And we've always had a great relationship, and I'm very close with the, the family and the people that, that work there. Um, and you've done a remarkable salvage with them. I remember uh, one of the old... Uh, uh, well, the Amarita. The Amarita. There was the Amarita. There was, was uh, the a couple of uh, others. There was a big little harbor during uh, one of the what I call the college blows because I was in college at the time. <laughs> I don't remember the name of them anymore. Uh, in Newport, um, yeah, there's been a couple of doozies um, that have been definitely highlights of my career. So, so collectively, my time at Safe Sea yeah. has definitely been uh, has definitely been some of the best. Um, yeah, the worst. I I don't have too many worst. I mean, some were, some were harder than others. Right. Um, you know, I think really parallel to to safe sea is my time in New York on tugboats. Commercial. You know? Yeah. New York tugboats are the best of the best. Right. Mm-hmm. Being a New York tugboatman is like being what like like a fireman being a New York fireman, and you're 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 gonna learn and grow in in that field tremendously, and, and I certainly did. I showed up in New York on uh, uh, September 13th, oh my God. Uh, 2001, One. 
and um, you know the city was in rubble and there was smoke and dust all over the place and um, we still had a job to get done and these guys were, were getting there and they had stopped what they were doing they had gone to the battery saved many lives and they were getting back to work wow. and, and so I wasn't part of the rescue but I was part of the let's get back on our feet again mm. you know so that's certainly a, a career highlight I don't really have any worse um, you know there's been times that I've you know, turn things down or look at things on this is terrible. Right. But for the most part, I've, I've been very, very, very fortunate. That's actually a good segue. I noticed on the website you divide your coursework into sort of two categories, boating for fun versus for work. And I noticed, uh, I figured the work that was pretty straightforward, which mm-hmm. was folks who wanted to get their captain's license to captain a boat to work professionally on a yacht or a tug. But the boating for fun was interesting because I think there was a gap there. There were people who maybe wanted to learn more about, there's always, you can never learn enough about the sea, as we know, and that offers a good way to make people more comfortable, whether it be just, you know, a woman out with her husband and wants to be, feel confident or vice versa. If, if something goes wrong with the, the sailing or the non-sailing partner, uh, they can take control. Well, there's the captain and then there's the woman in charge, which is always right. the joke on the recreational vessel, yeah. right? And, there, and she's the admiral. Yeah, that's totally true because many wives call me up and say, please work with my husband on docking, maneuvering, or whatever it is. And so we, we very jokingly call He thinks one he's our, good. He thinks he's good and he, he may or may, you know, and, and so we very jokingly called one of our, uh, we have a course that we, for women, and it sort of ends up getting called women on the water, but that's not a proprietary name. And um, it's, um, we very jokingly call it the marriage saver, right? Because um, it sort of prevents the, 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 the domestic hostility of, right. bad, of, of bad boat operating in the process of coming in and out of the dock or, or enjoying a day. But you know what? I believe in, in the sport of boating. Mm-hmm. I think it enriches people's lives. I think it makes us better people. I've played golf. Golf is great. I think it's cool. I did not feel like a better person <laughs> after nine, 18 holes, even, you know, so on and so forth. Uh, I go out on the water and I feel like a slightly better person when I get back. And and I would, I'm lucky to be a good boat operator. If, if I wasn't mm. and I was filled with anxiety, I wouldn't get the enjoyment out of it. So I want to help people enjoy it more. And we have um, this year even new clinics that we're offering mm-hmm. with our new power boat where you can come down um, for a 90 minute clinic style lesson mm-hmm. on Saturday morning, eight to 9.30 for $99. We'll take oh. you out and do a introduction to powerboating, uh, docking and maneuvering, um, advanced powerboat handling, and you know hopefully it parlays over to the sailboat. We'll have to see. It's, it's just it's a big effort to get both boats sort of cranked up and running with professional mm-hmm. instructors on them, and uh, we call it docking with donuts. You know, so you come down ninety nine bucks, you get a ninety minute lesson, uh, a coffee and a donut. Like it's a pretty nice way. And that's to spend for Saturday. anybody. It's that for anybody that wants to learn about boating. Right. If you drive over the Newport Bridge on your way to you know Raytheon every morning, you're mm-hmm. like, gee, how do I get out there? You go to confidentcaptain.com, and we'll take you out for ninety minutes. I noticed your graduates, or at least on your testimonial page, they range from everybody from someone who just wanted to be a little more confident out on the water with her family to a Volvo. A, a, Volvo, Volvo, guy, a couple of Volvo guys. Volvo yeah. people, racers, yeah. professional sailors. Um, the one thing that jumped out at me on the commercial side was when you train for fire and life raft use, mm-hmm. 
you don't just talk about it. You actually go, you go and do it and put the equipment on and yeah. don the immersion suit, deploy your life raft, and that's got to be valuable because you don't want the first time. Well, this is the only place where you can go and pay someone to lock you in a burning building is really what it boils down to. <laughs> so from the business owner's standpoint, it creates a, a tremendous amount of anxiety because the operating procedures that have to be in place at the time are, but we're, we're blessed with wonderful staff. And, and and great providers at the Fire Academy. Um, and, of course, we, we Is do Is that who you partner with? Because I, I saw Academy. the guy all suited up, and I thought he didn't just go to Walmart and buy that. No, <laughs> no, no. Uh, I bought that. Uh, <laughs> like everything else. Uh, he uh, we, we came up with the Rhode Island Fire Academy out in Exeter. And so we'll do sort of ship, shipboard firefighting lecture here at our classroom. Mm -hmm. And um, and then we send him over to the Fire Academy. And they have a live burn building. They have a big propane tank simulator simulated mm -hmm. fire outside, hose lines, a couple of fire trucks. It's, it's real deal. And, and on the safety front for the life raft deployment, yeah. and, and you you partner with somebody for that too, or do you just... We do all of that. Do uh, that. Uh, you know, life raft and survival equipment provides our equipment. Yeah, that's actually the life raft for the sailboat there. There's one here in the room. Um, and then uh, we use the Boys and Girls Club pool. Oh, perfect. And they, um, they've been great. We've worked with the Boys and Girls Club for years and years. If you really wanted to find a business that had a high demand on Aquinnick Island, you'd open another pool. You'd really? Nice how hard it is to find them. Yeah, pools find are, pool time. Yeah, they're fully booked all over, and the, the Boys and Girls Club's always been great to us and, and found a way to get us in there. It's not like we're showing up there and going to do a couple laps. Like, we're showing up with 15 people that want to jump in a CO2-inflated life raft. So it's right. a little more dynamic than their regular request, uh, but they enjoy it, and they've been great to work with. It's a great facility, and people should support them. They, they, they're a valuable asset to have here in town. Now, we've both been around Newport and Rhode Island waterfronts, and we see a lot of interesting characters. <laughs> who is your favorite waterfront character? Who sort of embodies the spirit of, of what's going on on the water and and just sends you a good vibe? You know what? Uh, there's so many people on the waterfront that I love. I've been uh, When I look back at my career, which, again, is, is really 28 years old now, uh, there's a million people on the waterfront that I just enjoy. One of my regrets is I spent so time, so much time running my own business that I, I don't get out there and hang out with more people. And I think your your podcast is a brilliant way for you to get out and interact with some of the great people. Um, you know what? I, I hate to keep going back to safe sea, but if you're going to go to one of my favorites, John Andrews, mm. hands down. And, 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 and why? Because you know what? He knew it needed to be done. Mm. He did it. He did it right. right. He put up with no crap in the process. Yeah. He acted as a mentor to me and many others. And when naysayers looked at him and whined, mm. he never listened. And just he for those who right don't know, him. what he's referring to is this gentleman formed the business for commercial towing and salvage right. at a time when the Coast Guard was essentially getting out of the towing business. Right. It used so, to be you get in trouble, you call the Coast Guard, yes. I ran out of gas, they'll give you a tow home. And then they decided that their mission had changed. Correct. And there was an opening. The Reagan administration said, we're not going to tell you anymore unless there's uh, an emergency. Right. And, and John Andrews at the time, retired from his, not retired, left his job at the time and started a, a boat towing company that has, has turned into what the very successful Rhode Island company called Safe Sea. But it wasn't easy. And I was no. with him starting in year five. You know, so I mm -hmm. saw a lot of the a lot of the um, the barriers to success that he was able to navigate. And mm -hmm. I learned an awful lot from him, as are many, many of the other guys that grew up working for that company with me that are now successful businessmen, successful maritime attorneys, and others. 
All uh, right, John. So yeah, um, you know, John's still uh, still one of my favorites, and we still we still keep in touch. He's still. Uh, you know, works on operating the business, and then in the wintertime, he, he tries to lay a little lower than the guys, and I, I make it a point to keep in touch with him regularly. So. If you and he is somewhat of a character, so yes. you yeah. the word character, he can fall into that category. So I still, sure. that answers really two questions. The other one was, was there anyone that ever uh, had a positive influence or served as a mentor? And he probably Well, John, yeah, he certainly did. Um, and then I will tell you that Captain Bill Mercado in New York was a tremendous mentor to me. On the commercial side? Uh, the side. On the ocean-going tugs. Uh, my time there, I spent most of it with him. I started as an ordinary, came at AB. He really... Uh, as a demanding captain, and this is a mm -hmm. day and age when people don't like to have a lot of demands. Sadly, they don't like to have a lot of demands put on them. Right. And, um, you know, going into Tugs, I sort of showed up, and here's this guy, Kent, that already has a captain's license, and he has a college degree, and so it's sort of nobody really liked me when I showed up. Making friends everywhere you go. Yeah, I was really, I didn't make a lot of friends right off the bat, and I'm bigger than everybody, and, I, you know, I'm kind of loud, and mm. I think, you know, everybody's like, who does this guy think he is, you know? And, and on that boat, for the most part, I stayed humble and, and worked hard, and he was willing to teach, and um, I still keep in touch with him today. He's a phenomenal boat captain, boat handler. That work you're doing. I mean, we saved the day like countless times. And in New York, that's just like SOP. Hmm. Like, okay. oh, look it. Here's some complete mayhem that's about to let loose. Let's go over and lend a hand. Right. And you quietly slip the line off, you go lend a hand, and then you go back and maybe you chit chat about it, and that's it. And like, it just happens. And so he has absolutely been a, you know, a tremendous, um, a tremendous mentor for me. And um, I enjoy keeping in touch with them. In addition to that, it, I saw from your resume on your website you've sailed offshore, you've crossed yeah. the Gulf of Mexico. What, what would you say of all those experiences is your biggest adventure on a boat? My biggest adventure was the evacuation of a gas-filled barge oh. out of a terminal fire in yep. uh, the Fresh Kill. That was a very exciting day. <laughs> um, it was... Um, the Bouchard bug, I'm going to have to go back and remember it now. There is, there's a, a link to the explosion, and basically, in, in the, the fresh kill at Port Mobile, mm -hmm. uh, there was a large gasoline barge that had maybe a million or two gallons of unleaded left in it that blew up. Oh. And this is, uh, very sadly, it was actually the morning after the station nightclub fire. Now, I had not learned of the station nightclub fire because I was on a tugboat in New York City right. at the time, and, and we woke up, and uh, what happens is all that gasoline then rose to the surface. Mm -hmm and caught on fire as it started to drift across the, the kills. And there was another loaded gasoline barge there that needed to be evacuated. So we, we quickly skittered over there, strapped ourselves to that gasoline barge, and sort of hit the, hit the throttles and then hit the deck. And we right. got out of there, and we lived to tell about it. And so that, would, I would say, would definitely be one of the more, the more harrowing. We still talk about that. I still congratulate the men I worked with that day. Um, on the anniversary, and tell them I'm glad they're still here because uh, yeah. it was a scary operation. Yeah, often who you wind up with on a board a boat tells a lot. I mean, there are people who could be great on shore, and then you get offshore, whether it be in a harrowing situation like that or a, a, a sail to Bermuda, and yeah. situations change, and suddenly you learn a lot about people. You might have been working for the harbor master when there was. I remember very clearly it was uh, maybe maybe it was years ago. Maybe I was still a dispatcher actually, um, and the, the captain and crew were like. Someone had basically, I think, maybe gotten maybe some sort of withdrawal or um, suffered some sort of mental breakdown. And they're like, you know, 20 miles out of Newport. They're trying to sail back from the Bermuda race. 
and was you know threatening people and threatening herself and oh, they right. were sort of like whispering to the coast guard on the radio like trying to talk to the coast guard and but and it was very foggy um that it just it, this was just like a recreational crew that was coming back from a race or something it was really intriguing story as i listened to it sort mm. of unfold on, as someone who was you know responsible for dispatching towboats that would be the sort of thing i listened to right um yeah it, you, you just really never quite know what surprise really lurks over the crest of the next wave to <laughs> on a lighter note if you were to be stuck offshore with somebody would you rather be stuck offshore on a boat with kurt russell or russell crowe well, let me tell you, I, I, Master and Commander, I think, is a great movie, right? Now, Kurt Russell, is that Captain Ron? Is yeah, that, yeah, that's Captain Ron in Overboard. With, he was in Overboard. No, also in Overboard, that's right, he was a carpenter, right? He was like a... Yeah. Yeah. Both great movies, both great guys. Jeez, if I had to be stuck offshore with one of them, you know, I'm... I'm gonna go with Russell Crowe. Yeah, but you really because the guy ran his he ran his boat and he had his procedures. And at the end of the day, you know, as much as we like to have fun and enjoy what we do, we all kind of know that part of being safe is getting stuff done right. And, right. And Russell did that. And, and Russell Crowe in in his role in Master Commander, anyway, certainly did that. Kurt Russell, he was a little bit he was very funny and he was very lucky. I've never I've never <laughs> banked much on luck. luck. Yeah. <laughs> if you could travel in time, where and when would you go? Ooh, wow, that's a really tough one. Um I certainly have no regrets for the last forty three years, so I'll just consider them um you know being money in the bank, and if you go forward, you're going to get insight on what the world's going to be, and if yeah. you go backwards, you're going to get insight on why we are where we are, right? So, um, Eric took a different approach when I interviewed him. He basically went right where I thought he was going to go, which was 1800s coastal schooner captain here in New England. Yeah, I'd be very interested to see that. I think, I think you know, a period that is is also intriguing to me is the the development and. The, of of America, mm. um, and um, you know, I, I I I would be tempted to say either something like that or something along the lines of you know the merchant fleet with the greatest generation or right. something like that. Not yeah. not too too long ago. Um, I enjoy uh, living now back over in North Kingstown. The, the history of Wickford and that seaport. Yep. I've always been very curious to see what it was like then. So yeah, not not, not too far off from from Captain Eric, I'd say. Have you ever been boarded by the Coast Guard? You know what? <laughs> I got boarded by the Coast Guard in 28 years. The first time I've ever been boarded by the Coast Guard was last summer. Really? I was teaching a local friend and uh, industry uh, member um, who, uh, with her, her husband, they uh, run a, uh, a boat building company. Mm-hmm. And so it was a boat, but and then they sell them, right? So now it's sort of a dealer-owned. So you weren't out recreationally; you were in oh, teaching her how to drive the boat. Yeah, right. I was acting as a professional instructor. She wanted to, to to work on some of her her boat handling skills, and and we'd been talking about it for like two years. And finally, I'm like, look, I'll come out and unless and, and so about that morning, we'd been out for about an hour, and um, the boat wasn't was fully built, fully operational. Mm. And but what happens is you carry around when you're a boat dealer carry around a duffel bag full of your safety supplies. Right. Because there's required equipment that's supposed to be on every boat top. Life jackets, flares, etc. Mm-hmm. So knowing this person, I said, where's our safety gear? She pointed at the dealer bag. I took a quick look. I said, good. 
let's go. We're just going out in the harbor. Right. Lo and behold, we get out to the Newport Bridge, and the Coast Guard boards us looking at us like a recreational boater. And um, everything was good to go, and they checked all of our safety equipment, and would you believe someone had taken that fire extinguisher out of that bag. Oh. And our trip was immediately terminated. The Coast Guard had been rowed with us into Newport Harbor. <laughs> Really? <laughs> and uh, they were like, well, where are you going to Where you tie this thing up? Because we tied up at Newport Shipyard, and there's a 45-foot Coast Guard patrol boat following us, you know, like range 100 feet behind us. I'm like, we're not going into the Newport Shipyard and, under these circumstances. Right. So I was like, well, we tied up at Goat Island. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but what we actually did, we worked out. The guys were great, and they, they appreciated sort of the situation, and they appreciated my situation. I said, I need to – I said, I'm on the clock here. I need to continue this lesson. So. Right. You know, hopefully they picked up a few tips themselves, and uh, they were younger, yeah. younger guys. Yeah. And um, we went over to the dock where the uh, ship store is and just picked up a fire extinguisher. Satisfy the requirement, well. continue the lesson. It was embarrassing for, for – it was a simple mistake and really sort of embarrassing for all of us, but a good laugh. Many, right. many a laugh are still to come about that situation when, when that individual and I run into each other. We often talk about there's lots of obviously required equipment, safety equipment that you need on a boat, but – Working in the marine business, we often find every year somebody comes through with a new product or a new gimmick yeah. that helps you do something which I think really should be accomplished by seamanship. So I, we often ask the question, is it necessary? Yes. And one of my favorites is I looked in a, in a 2018 catalog, a big catalog. Yeah. There are over 12 varieties of some kind of gadget that you put on a lifeline that allows you to adjust a fender. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. we always question whether There's twelve different varieties of that. At least twelve. I yeah. count. I stopped counting skews. Does that include a well. knot? Because I use a knot. Did no, a no, it did not include a knot. <laughs> it was every imaginable way to run a line through something that you could just quickly move up and down. No. Well, a clawfish moves quite quickly up and down. Right. <laughs> um, so, oh, is my, so my goal is to t my, my task is to tell you is, is it necessary or not? Yeah. 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 Uh, no, no, not necessary. Yeah, I didn't think so. It's not necessary, but if you're a business owner and you're making money with it, then it becomes, yeah. it becomes necessary. <laughs> yeah, but there's a, there becomes a moral question at some point. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, what do you think about center consoles with four or more outboards? I, this is a recent thing I've seen in Newport yeah. Harbor. I've seen them with, I think, five. Well, and I wonder, you know, when, when Boeing decides the 747 is no longer efficient and they can do the same with two-engine aircraft, it almost makes you wonder what what you're gaining. I mean, I understand redundancy. That's great. But how much redundancy do you need? Those boats are selling for their sex appeal and their yeah. capability. Mm. That's all. It, it's mostly for the sex appeal because the people are buying them aren't capable of handling what they're yeah. not all. Well, I, I shouldn't say that. I'm sure some are quite capable. And they seem quite technical now, too. It's not just simple. You've got four or five or six throttles. You've You've got... They're linked with computers, and when you try and dock it, it's almost joystick docking now. So there's a lot well, going on there. you know, as you know, I'm somewhat of a traditionalist, but I'm also open to cool stuff. Mm. Um, I like cool boats. I like cool cars. I like things like that. Right. And, and uh, so when I arrived for hands-on training lesson, which I don't do a ton of those anymore. I sort of, we have guys that work for us that, that do them, but... Uh, I did work specifically with one customer that had bought a new, uh, I think it was 35 or 37 foot uh, uh, whaler uh, outrage, which is the center console, mm -hmm. and it had uh, three 300 horsepower, I believe, Mercury Barados on it. Wow. And uh, I thought that boat was awesome. In yeah. fact, I'm going to go so far as to say that was one of the favorite boats I've ever driven. 
three, but add three. Yeah, yeah. If we, they they would have put four on it, and it still would have been one of my favorite boats. Wow. Um, so in the hands of the correct operator, I think a boat like that is mm. totally cool. In the hands of that wrong operator, any boat is a total nightmare. Right. But so I think everybody sort of expects me to say, I don't like that. It's overkill. Mm. Um, I do like that in the hands of the right operator. Right. Because I like to go, I, you know, people forget I drive, grew up driving rescue boats. I like to go fast, furious. I like the excitement, and uh, those things provide for that. But in the hands of the wrong operator. Especially if somebody else is paying for the fuel. Well, that's exactly <laughs> <laughs> sort of the problem. There's a little secret that you and I know that maybe your listeners don't know, which is that we don't pay to go boating. No. We get paid to go boating. Right. So, yeah. At the end of the day, if you put a uh, you know a forty foot center console like a Contender or Whaler, mm-hmm. there's uh, some beautiful uh, the Everglades are beautiful, and there's a what's the catamarans down in the uh, Mid Atlantic there? Um, I wish the name had oh, slipped yeah. my mind. Um, really, I would gladly drive any one of those, and I would enjoy it uh, quite a bit. In fact, I bought a Sea Hunt. Right, it's a smaller boat for for training, um, but. Um, I enjoy the center console design. I think that's a great family boat. It's a great day boat. And uh, then if we're going to go out overnight, we go out on the on the sailboat. Well, since we were just talking about the massive amount of fuel consumption that could be had by boats, do you feel that the boating industry does enough to promote the preservation of the environment given the, the potential we have for a large negative impact? I mean, we, we the reason we a lot of us go boating is because we enjoy being out on the water in a clean environment, being able to go for a swim. So... You know, um, is the industry doing enough? Do you think I'll give us a C plus? C+. I'll give us a C plus. Yeah. Uh, I think that uh, you know, example, clean marina programs. Um, you know, uh, uh, most of those are all driven by regulation. So when mm-hmm. it says the boating industry doing enough, well, we're doing enough, but we're doing because we're told to. Right. If we weren't being told to, we would still be pumping our harbors. Full of bottom paint and fuel and every other thing. Right. So, so I mean, that's why that that knocks us down a whole letter grade uh, to a C plus. Um, but it's the participants. Mm. Okay, if we're going to see environmental improvement, environmental proactivity, there needs to be an understanding by each individual boater, mm. recreational or commercial, of the cumulative impacts of their footprint on the water and their boating on the water. Okay, so when you fuel up your boat, you're like, I want to make sure I get this thing topped off. Mm-hmm. And so you let, you know, a cup of fuel squirt out your fuel vent. Mm-hmm. Or you're like, it's just this one time, nobody's looking, I'm going to pump my head over. All of those things have a cumulative effect, cumulative negative effect right. on the environment. If for no other reason, then they get eaten by the smallest fish, and then it's in the food chain. Right. So if you would start to envision your impact on the water, on your plate, mm-hmm. at dinner you would be a better steward to the marine environment than you are. And in fact, if you live in the coastal zone, if you envision what you're putting on your yard, Mm. then on your plate, you'll change the way that you think about the world. And I don't say on your plate to be dramatic. I say on your plate because that's where it's ending up. Right. And I don't think people realize that, and I think they're comfortably numb to to that fact. I remember it was 1989, we had the World Prodigy oil spill, and that summer, that happened relatively early in the summer. I can't remember. It was remember. diesel fuel. Was yeah, it was two number two. Yeah. But I remember that summer in particular, like you said, a cup goes in the water at the fuel dock. Every little sheen of people were calling the Coast Guard, 
so in, in one respect, it made people very aware. Um, yeah. Just by the sheer numbers to the Coast Guard, and you know, they would just say that you need to call this particular number, and there was not much. Well, people were aware, and people had a, someone to blame. Mm. So when people have a flag to wave and someone to point at, they're more likely to take action. Right. When people have a flag to wave, when people can't wave a flag and have to look to themselves, mm. they're but, less likely to take action. Well, since we talked about dirty water, what's your favorite harbor or cove to go to if you're if you just want to spend some time with your family or you want to relax? Or unless it's a secret. You don't want the world to know. Eric had a good one. I didn't know this. Um, in between patience and prudence. The uh, gap. The gap. Yeah, I look at the charts, and I, even with my center board up at three and a half feet, I, I kind of... Well, Captain Eric is a very smart man. Yeah, I'd want to go and in he here He told cautious. you to go to the gap because he doesn't go to the gap. <laughs> he wants everybody else to go there. So I'm going to agree with Captain Eric. If you want to go boating someplace, you should go to the gap. Okay. But I'll tell you, my favorite point of land and really one of the most magical places that I spend time in Narragansett Bay, my wife and my, my sons and I are members of the Saunderstown Yacht Club. Yep. And uh, it's very small, a very neighborhood-oriented. Uh, not so much. It's not, it's not you know, uh, it's, and it's very uh, children and family-oriented. And um, there's a, a great kids, many great youth programs there, and uh, swimming and on the water activities mm -hmm. and sailing, and uh, um, it's just a beautiful piece of land with really nice people at it. Nice. And so that's really where I enjoy spending my relaxation time, and it's usually kind of out on that point there, beautiful point out into the West Passage yep. of Narragansett Bay. Um, it's not a ritzy place. It's a, it's a kind of a working man's uh, yeah. haven, Beautiful. and it's really, it's really a, a lot of magical memories there. Great. Well, so. thanks for talking with us. If people want to learn more about either becoming a professional captain, such as yourself, or just want to be better on the water, yep. then go to your website. The easiest thing to do is go to the, go to the website. I just had a very, uh, very nice gentleman call me, and I said, perfect, I'll call you back in two weeks. So people have to call and ask me questions. Oh, wow. <laughs> like really, my phone call backlog right now is about two weeks. Wow! Go to confidentcaptain.com. Mm -hmm. um, we just built a beautiful new website. Uh, Kate Wilson from Rising Tea. Yeah. Uh, made us an awesome new website that has a ton of information. I regularly buy SEO specialists getting yelled at because there's too much information on it, too mm -hmm. much text. And um, if you are an experienced boater, you want to become a captain, and you're looking for someone who's truly dedicated to helping you become better at what you do while you get your captain's license. You can go to our website and do that. And you've got you, social media links there as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You can go to Confident Captain slash Ocean Pros uh, on our Facebook page. Um, we, of course, have a Twitter account that I pay someone to manage. And uh, <laughs> Instagram. Um, I look at them every day, and honestly, because they're mine, I don't really bother to look at the names. But really, just go to confidentcaptain.com. Okay. And even if you just want to check out the water for your very first time for 90 minutes, we'll, we'll get you out there. Great. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks.